sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Diamond Bets is on your air. My name's Matt. His name is Joe. Happy and healthy to all whom observe and happy and healthy to everyone out there. Sirius XM 159, radio listeners everywhere along the board. Sports Grid, at Sports Grid, at Sports Grid TV. Joe Pizzapia, you're the mind behind the Black Book series. You are the man when it comes to analyzing sports and taking some money out of it whether it be through season-long fantasy, DFS, wagering. So I'm going to stop talking. The floor, my friend, is yours. Happy and healthy. (laughs) Happy Easter and happy Passover and happy everything, everybody. And hopefully we're going to open up some Easter eggs and find some cash in them today, Maddie. That's what I want to do. But uh, I know Matt's got a a long morning ahead of him of uh, dying Easter eggs and hiding them in places and coaxing his children around to find them, or at least the one child that's walking right now. But for all of you who are still laying in bed or sitting on the couch watching some baseball, we're going to bring it to you here like we do every single Sunday, 8 a.m. Eastern here on Diamond Bets. And let's start with the news and let's start with the headlines because Jacob deGrom is slated for another MRI next week on 425, not 420. On 425, just wanted to be specific there and make sure you get your days not muxed up at all. So here you go, Jacob DeGrom, if he gets a clean bill of health here on this MRI, he then starts a rehab assignment. So there is a slight chance, and Buck Walter seemed to be very positive about it earlier this week, that Jacob DeGrom could be back by the end of May. Now that would be the best case scenario. We'll see if we get a best case scenario. Uh, Chris Sale is also throwing, and that's uh, apparently good because it seems like he's in a good place to start to rehab and eventually return. So some positive uh, pitching news, which is a nice change of pace going on in Major League Baseball. Freddie Freeman got an emotional uh, moment there, a welcome in Dodger Stadium, big double there a couple days ago, and Freddie Freeman is now part of that Dodger faithful, and they uh, certainly embraced him early on. Vlad Guerrero this week had an incredible three home run performance the dude is absolutely on fire one of the best hitters in baseball and he is certainly carrying over into that mvp conversation this year after teasing with a triple crown at points last year but Shohei otani's gonna have something to say about it because he's hit a home run the last two days as well so that dude's on fire also so once again poor vladdy look it up it's like these guys back in the uh the 90s looking up at michael jordan saying why can't i win a championship or an mvp Oh, it's because Michael Jordan's here in the league at the same time. And lastly, Clayton Kershaw flirts with perfection for exiting with a pitch count of 80. Now, Matt Stryker, this has been the uh, the topic of the week, and I wanted to talk to you about this because I know you're a bit of a purist. Now, me, I'm also a purist, but I'm a realist. I am living in the real world, and this is the monster we've created, isn't it, to a certain degree? Everyone's on pitch counts. Everybody's watched in every metric. Yes. It's Clayton Kershaw's early April start. How much do you want to push the guy who's only thrown about 120 innings the last few years, every year, somewhere in that range? The Dodgers are basically World Series or bust. So I got to ask you, did you have a problem? Did you get mad? Did you throw something at your TV when Clayton Kershaw wasn't allowed to go for a perfect game after looking like he was basically as dominant as you could be? How did you feel about that whole maneuver back and forth with Dave Roberts and Kershaw? 
Well, Professor Pisakia, you speak about it in the Black Book series. You talk about the value of a player. And I understand, as do the Dodgers, as does Clayton Kershaw, as does Nate Roberts, et cetera, down the line, that the achievement of the team as a whole far outweighs the personal achievement. But it's intriguing that we get so much clamor this day and age. And we welcome everyone in listening to Radio Series XM 159 and all of our affiliates. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizapia. Joe has penned the Black Book series, and it changes the way we look at sports. We're talking about the sport of baseball from a season-long fantasy, from a DFS, and from a wagering perspective. And we're trying to pull out different things that Joe and I see for a way to make us some money to make our car payment, to pay our grocery bill. It's a changing world. So we're talking about Clayton Kershaw here, Joe, and we're talking about him being pulled. And I think the clamor is that we live in a society where everyone does things for themselves, okay? The perfect game would have been for, for who? For Clayton Kershaw, for us, and nostalgia. What if the Dodgers need him come August and he's not there because of an inflamed something or someone? So that's why I think the value of Kershaw needs to be explored. I agree. I had no problem with this. In fact, I, not only did I have a problem with it, I was waiting for him to get yanked because it's early. True. It's cold. It's April. Kershaw was considering retiring uh, last offseason. I mean, the Dodgers have set themselves up to almost be like the Yankees of old, where if you don't win a World Series, I don't even get to World Series, win a World Series, it feels like the season's been a failure. And that's probably unfair to put on a baseball team. I mean, there's 30 teams, right? Only one of them is going to win at the end of the day. So the odds are still pretty tough, 30 to one. And just from a wagering standpoint, it's already pretty tough. But you need Clayton Kershaw. And how many times, Matt, have we talked on this show about how important that number three starter is? That's the guy that turns over this rotation. Most rotations have a guy or two at the top you feel pretty good about. It's that third guy in the rotation that is going to turn it over. It's the fourth and fifth guys you hope you get some good starts out of. But you realize, typically speaking, those are the games that are a little bit more in play. The number three guy, that's the guy that keeps you being a winning team, an above 500 team. That's the difference maker. And if you don't have that guy, especially with the early struggles of Julio Urias, what do you have? It's imperative to budget these guys. And I'm sorry that everybody's got a, their panties in a bunch about this, that Clayton Kershaw didn't throw a perfect game or was allowed to go out there. But this is the bed we've made in Major League Baseball. Now we have to lie in it. Now we have to understand this is the way things operate. And we come back, we're going to investigate some more trending things now they're operating. So don't go anywhere. We are just getting started here on Diamond Bets right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizapia. We're talking about pulling money out of the sport of baseball, whether it be season-long fantasy, DFS, wagering, depending on where you are in the country. Uh, Joe, I want to talk about what's trending. It's a great time to bring up at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, because especially in baseball, things happen so fast, and you can't always be tied to, to a computer or whatever. But your phone buzzes. And you just can quickly glance down and see, oh, look, Stephen Kwan had another nine hits. Hmm, maybe I should investigate him. It's a great, great thing to have in this day and age. So uh, what's trending and what has been buzzing in your pocket? 
Well, the first thing that's been buzzing, and that was very, uh, that was a tough segue. I'm going to try to keep it clean as much as I can. The first thing that's trending is something we've talked about previously, before you even get to today's slides, before you even get to the graphics and everything we're talking about. Last night, Hunter Green, again, throwing smoke, throwing balls 100 miles an hour. That's trending early this morning. We told you on this show, invest in him. It was nine and a half or nine to one in some spots for rookie of the year. National League was kind of thin. Anil Cruz had gotten sent down. Joey Bart's a catcher. That's always a tough sell for me. Having to learn a pitching staff. Yeah, he's still a position player, but Hunter Green's odds have dropped from nine and a half to four and a half just from last night, sliced in half. So this might be your last time here to get in what's really, really good on Hunter Green. Also, Justin Verlander, our long shot, quote unquote, for the Cy Young at 30 to one, 25 to one in some other spots. That's now 13 to one after yesterday's eight inning uh, performance. So Keep in mind right now where these markets are heading and sometimes that early trend ends up locking in and staying there. And again, those two narratives for Hunter Green and for Justin Verlander, really good narratives. Verlander coming back and basically being the front of that rotation again. That's a really strong media narrative, especially Giolito on the shelf and Lance Lynn on the shelf to start the year. And then Hunter Green in the National League where we say, you know, American League, a lot of great names. Most of them are struggling. We'll get into that pretty soon. But the National League's uh, Rookie of the Year race seems like one that's kind of up for grabs and Hunter Green right now is just throwing gas and kind of electrifying the media. And that's kind of the important thing. He's getting that trend. Now, another guy that's trending is Stephen Kwan, who you mentioned before. Now, the Indians, or I should say the Guardians, boy, you know, I promised myself I wouldn't do that all year. And I did it once already. <laughs> I just had my coffee. Apologies. But too. the Guardians, and I've been so good. I keep saying Guardians every day. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, the uh, Guardians have been really good out of the gate so far this year. They're at the top of the central for now. Uh, here's a great stat here from Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats. The Guardians trio of Stephen Kwan, Owen Miller, and Jose Ramirez this year, 33 for 65, 10 doubles, 2 triples, 5 dingers, 20 runs, 25 RBI. These are just three guys. Only five strikeouts between them, and now seven. I know Kwan had another couple strikeouts after this, but the collective slash 508, 582, 954. Uh, that's pretty impressive, that's for sure. And I will say this right now, these are players that are very exciting to have in fantasy or exciting to have when you're wagering. Now, Jose Ramirez, we all knew, was an MVP caliber talent. Stephen Kwan's come out of nowhere. Owen Miller's basically come out of nowhere too. Now, Kwan is so interesting because he makes contact. And Matt, you and I were talking on the break about that, where that's kind of the lost art form. So even though he's still making outs now, and of course he wasn't going to be as red hot as you could possibly imagine that first couple games, it is interesting to see he is a player that puts the ball in play. And typically that's a good thing when you're looking for those total base props and things like that out there. But Owen Miller's the other dude that kind of really shows up to me very um, kind of out of nowhere. So far, of his first eight games, 14 hits, two home runs, seven ribbies. He's got three walks and three strikeouts, hitting 560. So what do you what do you take of this early guardian success between Miller and Quan? So I think you're seeing this this happened last year as well. There was always a team out of the gate that no one expected, and most people ignored. And by the time the public got on that team, it, it was too late. Cleveland may be that team, but you kind of mentioned something in passing that I think was a great way to look at it. Look at the props on some of these 
less familiar names. Let's put Jose Ramirez aside. Let's look at Quan. Let's look at uh, Miller. Let's look at Miles Straw, Oscar Mercado. You can really find, if you find plus money, some runs props, especially at the top of the order here. This team has just been touching the plate every single time you turn them on your television or your device. And you can also look for total base props. And if those numbers stay in a, in a plus range for the month of April, because we're just trying to build a bankroll here, attack them. But also, Joe, you mentioned something in passing. I think it's important. Guys are going to come back down to earth. You know, Quan, I, I think less so than Miller in a way. You're going to see these numbers drop, but you'll also see the prop numbers not catch up yet. So if you can catch in, in that little chasm of reality versus quote-unquote fantasy, that's where I think you can find some money. Do you agree? I do. I do. And I think that baseball is a game of streaks. We always talk about that here on the show. So when the streak is good, you ride that streak. And when the streak is bad, you buy low on it when you can, whether it be in the DFS department, you know, when you, when Mike Trout is struggling, that's not going to, you know, be a forever thing. So if you're getting a discount in any fashion, you take it. Uh, when you're looking at players that are playing well above your expectation and something to always be concerned with. I mean, look at last year, like Yerman Mercedes, right? We kept waiting for that to end. Perfect. And eventually it did. And you look at Akil Badu, we kept waiting for that to end, and he kind of kept it up all year. So there's two different versions of this, right? There's the guys that come out of nowhere, sneak up on you, are flashes in the pan, so to speak. And then there's the guys that kind of sneak up on you, come out of nowhere, and end up being pretty good. I mean, Whit Merrifield is probably the best example of that in recent memory, where Whit Merrifield was a guy that had struggled in the minor leagues, all of a sudden had a good AAA year, got a little taste of the big leagues with the Royals, it was a mid-season, I think, probably June, somewhere around there. And he just came up like a house on fire. And everyone kept waiting and waiting for the shoe to drop. And it never did. <laughs> and when Merrifield waiting. continues to drop 200-hit seasons on us, and we're all looking at each other like, where did this guy come from? So it's just important to identify those guys. Now, the thing that Whit Merrifield and Stephen Kwan have in common is they make contact. They put the ball in play. So that's encouraging that Stephen Kwan can maybe keep this going. But at the same time, I think you got to kind of understand that there's a ceiling to Quan, especially with the power, and there's a ceiling to some of those guys. Now, Owen Miller, that's a different dude, especially in fantasy leagues where he qualifies at different spots. That's a dude I would keep an eye on because he's very under the radar. We'll talk more about him in hour two. Let's get to uh, Jeff Passan's tweet about Clayton Kershaw. Jeff Passan did not feel the way we did. No, no, no. It's not. It's uh, If it's a no-hitter, whatever. Yank him, he says. Clayton Kershaw has thrown one but there have been more than 222,000 games in Major League Baseball history. There have only been 23 perfect games. Everything, especially a pitch count of 80, is lining up to at least let Kershaw try. You cannot pull him. Now, here's my feelings on this. I would immediately then go back and look at the last few years. Last year, 121 innings pitched. 2020, he made 10 starts. Okay, great. Year before, 2019, 178 innings. That was good. You go back, you're looking at 160 innings, 150 innings. One, It's been all the way since 2015, since Clayton Kershaw has thrown 200 innings in the season. It's only April. Like you said, it's personal glory. I'm going to throw another passing tweet, though, to redeem himself. On the night after he hit a 1,286-foot home run, or excuse me, 1,286 feet worth of home runs, pardon me, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walked into Yankee Stadium, took a golden sombrero, and left the stadium with an L. Even for the best Baseball can be really, really difficult game, and that's what makes it so great. The ebbs and flows, Matt Stryker, right there. Vlad Guerrero, one night hitting three bombs, the next night going over, and that's the uh, the fickle mistress that is baseball. But what did you think of Vladdy's performance this week, man? That was pretty stunning. 
Well, I think it's with regards to the tweet, it's important to understand something as well, the player going up there and creating both of those moments. Vlad is the same player that hit the three home runs that went up there the next night trying to hit three more, and that's why he took the hat away. And I think that's something that you should look at when you're looking at back-to-back nights, when you're looking at some of these larger props, these minus plays on Guerrero. Remember the player that he is. And I don't want to compare him to Mike Trout, but put Mike Trout in that situation. Would Trout have come back the next night and, and struck out a dozen times? I don't think so. There's a discipline at the plate, and that's how I wager on certain players. A dozen times. That was a lot of at-bats. Boy, they wow. Blue Jays are good at turning that lineup over. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> We're going to hit a quick break, but when we come back, uh, Matt Stryker has talked to you a lot about the Cleveland Guardians. See, I, I fixed my problem. Being a team that might be sneaky to <laughs> so wager on. Sick. I was hesitant at first. Matt Stryker was there already. We come back, we're going to examine where that line has moved and how you can get in on that because maybe, just maybe, with the pitching the Cleveland Guardians have, we should be paying a little bit more attention. So we come back on Diamond Bats, a closer look at the Cleveland Guardians. If Sports Talk Networks were. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. Of course, if you miss anything, we come your way each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. You can take us along with you at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. My name's Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizapia, and the reason that he's important is because he's thought up the Black Book series, changing the way we look at sports, changing the way we pull money out of sports, whether it be season-long fantasy, DFS, wagering. And Joe, you and I have spoken of this We live in a time now where you can supplement your, I'm making it up, your car payment, your grocery bill, just with the fact that if if you even just like sports, take baseball, for instance, and you watch it just a little bit, you can find some plus money play somewhere or a nice little DFS play and boom, you've paid for your car for the month. Well, I think that's the thing. I think people have a, um, uh, a skewed vision sometimes of the wagering market. It's like, oh, I'm going to make this one bet, and all of a sudden that's going to change my <laughs> world, and I'm going to be able to retire forever. Now, I hope that happens sure. to some of you. Uh, actually, I, let me scratch that. I hope that happens to me because that would be awesome. I would love that. <laughs> but in realistic terms, if you are just, if you love the sports that we talk about, right? And you love baseball here on the network, whatever your passions are, football doesn't matter. And, and you do it smartly and you really think of it as investments. Like we we're talking about before, right? If Justin Verlander was my long shot guy for Cy Young and his odds got cut in half after the first two weeks of the season, well, I'm going to reinvest in that. It's, it's no different than investing in the stock market, except I understand Justin Verlander. I understand baseball. I played the game. I've covered the game for the last 15 years. And it's a little different than some stock that I'm investing in that I have no idea what this company really does or who runs it. So I think what you can do is is what Matt's saying, which is you can make money at this. It could be a supplemental kind of thing. And you have to be uh, someone who pays attention. You have to be someone who puts effort into it. But it can be a fruitful thing. It can be a, a side hustle, side income, if you will, if you do it right. And that's what we're Absolutely. here at Sports are trying to do. We're trying to do it the right way. And look, everyone's going to take L's. We're going to take L's. Hopefully, we don't take too many of them. But we're going to get a lot more W's. And that's what we do here on Sports Grid. Now, the first W we have to look at is Matt's early love of the Cleveland Guardians because they've been out there and they're at the top of this division. Now, 
granted Lance Lynn injury, Lucas Giolito injury. That's hurt the White Sox, my White Sox. I've, I don't want to take an L on them yet. It's only April, but certainly a little struggles here and there for the White Sox. But we talked about how great Jose Ramirez has been, and he has been unbelievably good, right? Jose Ramirez off the charts so far this year, 484 batting average, uh, three dingers. We'll talk about him in a second, but look at these odds and look what's happened here uh, for the Cleveland Guardians. They've gone to plus 850 right now. They were even worse a couple weeks ago. The White Sox are at minus 200, still a favorite. The Twins somehow are ahead of them, and the Tigers somehow are ahead of them. And I'm looking at those two pitching staffs, and I'm saying to myself, I like Joe Ryan. Casey Mize is on the IL. I like Eduardo Rodriguez, but they don't have Shane Bieber. And Shane Bieber was flirting with a no-hitter the other night, too. So if you've got an ace like Shane Bieber, and you've got an MVP caliber talent, and a Cy Young caliber talent on the same team, that's a team to be reckoned with. Now, they need more contributions, and they needs to really kind of uh, get continual contributions from Stephen Kwan. He can't be a flash in a pan. Owen Miller, uh, you need to get Framil Reyes going a little bit. You need to get um, some of these other talents like Ahmed Rosario. All these guys got to play kind of up to their abilities and all at the same time to sustain it. So what you've seen so far to Cleveland, I know it's been encouraging. How do you feel about your early call of the Cleveland Guardians being the team to watch in this division, Matt? Because so far, it looks like you've been right. Yeah, it feels good. I, I think the only thing was I was really staring at the pitching and the bullpen, and then the hitting came along and said, hey, knock, 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 don't forget about us. If this Cleveland team can stay just eyes above water till maybe the summertime, till maybe June, then I think you'll see a lot of numbers start to normalize. But right now, you have to be careful, depending on where you play this team. Some of these numbers have ballooned up, inflated. Joe talked about the stock market. You hear about it all the time, bubbles bursting, bubbles bursting. Here's a perfect example, excuse me, of something that could happen. But if, say, summertime, they're still eyes above water and they go out and they add a piece or two, all of a sudden, people are going to be talking about this Cleveland baseball team. Find them at plus 850 to win the Central I agree. I don't. I think that the Tigers and the Guardians should be juxtaposed here, but they're going to have to hop Minnesota and hop Chicago. A lot can happen. It's only April, but plus 850, if you're feeling it, go ahead. Well, you made that comment, too, about sometimes you get a team that comes out of nowhere in April, like the Giants last mm-hmm. year that nobody took seriously. At the end of the year, the Giants <laughs> were the team of the top of the West, right? right? Well, yeah, we get to them a lot more seriously by the time we got to August, September, and you're right in October, too. And I think it's worth at least speculating on early because these odds are so high. So this is where you make a small investment. You can throw a $10 wager on this and win yourself 85 bucks. That's not bad. Like uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good day, right? I mean, you can throw that $10 away on something stupid. You might as well throw it away on, on Jose Ramirez and see if he can maybe carry this team. And if the White Sox continue to have injuries, I mean, look, when you have rotation injuries, especially two of them early on, it definitely gives you pause. Now, the one thing I will say about this division, the White Sox are minus 200 right now. If they start to float into the plus money, that's when I would start to buy in on the White Sox. Because I told you before, there's no money for me to be made in this division because I like right. the White Sox and already minus money, so screw it. But if they start to float back into the positive, I will absolutely buy the White Sox for the last five months of the season if they can get everybody healthy. So watch that closely because that is a moving trend to be aware of. Another moving trend to be aware of is in the National League East. This is a tight one. You know, you've got the Nationals at the bottom. You got the Miami Marlins at the bottom. And then you got those three teams that are really fighting for everything, right? You got the 
The Braves, who, uh, if you look at the updated version right now, it's even changed. The plus 130 is now plus 125. Uh, if you look at the Mets, the plus 175 is now plus 165. So that's changed a little bit. And the Philadelphia Phillies are now at plus 420. Uh, they were at 360. So this is one that's moving all over the place. So in terms of moving between the lines, this National League East, I feel like, is going to be Rock'em Sock'em Robots, where they just basically go back and forth for the next five months, just kind of pounding on each other with the hot streaks. The, will, the one thing I will say is the bad outing again from Aaron Nola is concerning. The health of Zach Wheeler is a thing that I was very concerned with. So the Phillies to me are still a little kind of in the back. I know Bryce Harper's there. I know the offense is really good. I get that. But what's been most impressive to me so far has been the Mets pitching. Tyler McGill, or as I like to call him, Tyler the Terrible. You got Max Scherzer going again. Chris Bassett has been absolutely phenomenal. What an incredible addition to this team. And they're supposedly going to get a healthy Taiwan Walker back. If they do get a healthy DeGrom back at some point, my goodness, this rotation is possibly as good as it gets. And you had Charlie Morton struggle. You've had Max Fried struggle for Atlanta a little bit. Now they're going to get Ronald Acuna back soon. So that's going to change the dynamic. So with the possible returns of DeGrom and Acuna over the next month and change, how do you see this East shaking up, Matt? Because these are two juggernaut potential teams kind of going head to head. And I cannot wait for them to actually go head to head because that is going to be a fun set of uh, games to wager on. Yeah. You know, in my younger days when I was a single man in my days of dalliance, uh, you know, you would date different people and find different qualities in a partner. And one day you, you choose the one partner. If that were the case, I don't think I'd be calling the Phillies as much as I, I would be ringing up the Marlins a little late at night because I think that that's a fun little team to want to go out with. And when you look at those numbers, again, it's a fun way to build your bankroll. But at the end of the day, Buck Showalter is the, is the girl you marry, right? And that, that's what you're wagering on here. And at plus 175, with all of the weapons that they still have and the way that this team can play baseball, let's not forget about it. Some teams just hit home runs and strike guys out. Other teams play baseball. The Mets can do that. Plus 175, that's not fun for me. I, I want something big. I want something grand. But yeah, Show Walter's the girl you marry here. I like this. And by the way, everyone, in case you're wondering, Days of Dalliance, the Matt Striker story, will drop in bookstores on May 1st. <laughs> Never. So make sure you uh, get to your Barnes & Noble. <laughs> I can't wait for that book. Days of Dalliance by Matt. I, I, I wrote the forward for the book. I just want you to know. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> it comes out with the black book. You get you get a free Days of Dalliance with every black yes. book for the uh, for Ironically, it's season. black books that got uh, Matt Stryker all the uh, <laughs> the ability to write this other book in the first place. Uh, but you're you're right. You make that good point about um, Buck Showalter, and I think that's a big difference in the feel of that Mets team with him. The feel of that Mets team also has Starling Marte, has Francisco Lindor um, going yard from both sides of the plate. If Francisco Lindor is the same player he was in the past this year, you know, fresh start here, second year. We always say that first year transition on big contract new city is always tough. If Lindor is the Lindor of old dropping 30 bombs, man, this could be a really good team here. And again, as a self-loathing Met fan, I'm waiting for it all to fall apart, but we shall see. Let's talk about American League MVP, Matt. Let's talk about Shohei Otani, who's at the top of it at plus 380. Vlad Guerrero, same thing, plus 380. Oh, and Mike Trout launched an enormous home run on, uh, what, Thursday night, was it? 650 for him. Byron Buxton, plus 1,200. Now, Byron Buxton dealt with an injury. What a yeah. shock. Very sad. Very frustrating. <laughs> but luckily, it seems like he avoided a major one. 
So it looks like he's going to be out for about 10 days. And Jose Ramirez is still a 20 to one Wander Franco, 20 to one. So those are, you know, some pretty stunning odds. Now Wander Franco has been very good. If you watch these lines move though, Byron Buxton's gone to 20 to one just from this one injury. Is this injury now the perfect time to buy him Byron Buxton at 20 to one? Cause now it's doubled and he has been pretty good to start the year. I know it's Otani and everybody else, but let's have some fun. What are your thoughts on Byron Bucks okay. and now that that line has jumped from 10 to 20? All right. With the caveat of having fun, taking 20 to 1 on Buxton, taking 20 to 1 on Ramirez, think about what these two guys need to do. Uh, I was a big Buxton truther for a while, but the injury, the plague kind of takes me off of him. If Cleveland continues to do what they're doing, Ramirez is the heck of the play at 20 to 1. But yeah, you can't ignore the fact as long as Otani continues to do both things, you just can't beat him. I am stunned that Jose Ramirez line hasn't moved at all. It was 20 to one when we started after the first two weeks of him being glorious, still 20 to one. How could this be? I don't understand it. I think you, you dabble a little bit on Jose Ramirez more than Byron Buxton, but man, oh man, speaking of Jose Ramirez, let's look at how good he's been. When we come back right here on Dino Bets. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizapia. Follow along at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. We're talking with Joe about the ways to just take our love of sports, in this case, baseball, and try to make some money off of it. And we do that here, Joe, with these studs and duds. Now, baseball is a very fickle sport. It's a long season. But in April, finding the studs and duds could mean building a bankroll well, you could take some more risks and say May and June. Yeah, it does. And I will say this, you know, there's been a theme here for the show. It feels like the it's the Guardians theme today, but we have to start with Jose Ramirez because, you know, going into Saturday's action, the guy's been absolutely spectacular over his last 21 at-bats, five runs scored, three home runs, 13 RBI, 524 batting average. Now, that is MVP caliber stuff. And Oftentimes in MVP, we always talk about, you know, the the cannibalization, if you will, of when you have two good players on the same team, whether it be Trout and Otani, whether it be Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero, it, it makes it more difficult sometimes. Or Teoscar Hernandez and, <laughs> and, and Vlad Guerrero. There's a lot of guys on that Toronto team you can make a case for. But what's so fascinating in the early going, especially for Jose Ramirez, is he's kind of that dude. Like I mentioned, outside of Fran Mel Reyes, theoretically, it's not a whole lot around him. Maybe Owen Miller becomes a nice player. Maybe Bobby Bradley steps up his game. Who knows? But I think what we've got to realize is that he's kind of the lone wolf on this team. And if you look at the stats from last year, I think it was one of the more quiet 36-103-111 seasons that we've seen in a long time. I mean, check this out. I don't think people realize this because all we kept talking about was Vlad Guerrero and Shohei Otani last year. It's all, and rightfully so. But last year, this dude hit over 35 home runs. He scored over 100 runs, drove in over 100 runs. Again, on a team that's not very good. He had 32 doubles. He had five triples. I mean, the guy was fantastic. And not to mention, oh, yeah, his slash was also, uh, let's see, 266, 355, 538 with an 893 OPS. So 
look, uh, if you want to also talk about stolen bases, he stole 27 of them. So even though he's a fantasy darling in a lot of ways, especially at a tough position at third base, he's kind of that lone wolf guy. And I think when you're looking at these teams that have such great lineup protection, Jose Ramirez doesn't have that. And I think that's what makes what he's doing so far last year and this year so impressive. So um, I know we spoke a lot about Jose Ramirez. Let's talk about my other favorite dude, Luis Robert, who bold predictions, you know, I gave you the 30-30 Luis Robert season. Now, so far over the last week, Luis Robert, 24 at-bats, six run score, two home runs, four stolen bases, four mm -hmm. 292 batting average. So um, although, you know, the, the White Sox are kind of scuffling with the rotation a little bit, Luis Robert has been Luis Robert as advertised. I think he is the next big star here, which is great because the American League has a ton of them. So what are your thoughts on the early uh, stat lines of Ho uh, Luis Robert? So the four stolen bases what jumped out at me as well. But with both guys here, Ramirez and Robert, uh, I, look, I don't think you're going to find them on any waiver wires in season-long fantasy. And their their wagering numbers are, are all in the minus, just because what Joe's talking about is these are very good baseball players, independent of if they aren't very public, if you will. So I think the best way to attack both Ramirez and Robert is through the DFS portal. And especially with Robert's ability to shake things up and with all of the mm -hmm. bats around him. And it's the same thing with Ramirez just for now. It might not be the same thing come June. But the beauty of these players is they become stackable. They become linchpins, if you will. They become very important to building a good DFS lineup. And you're going to have to pay for them, and that's fine. But building around guys like Robert, guys like Ramirez, and knowing what they do consistently, DFS is the way to make some money off of both of these guys. I think you're 100% right because these are guys that score points in different ways. You know, whether they're hitting home runs or whether they're stealing bases, it doesn't seem to matter. They're driving in runs, they're scoring runs, they're active almost every single game. And in baseball where there's a 70% failure rate built in, Matt, these are the kind of guys you want because even on a bad night, they might still get you 15 points with a, well, one for four. Or maybe they hit a double and score a run and steal a base or something like that. I mean, they could still be productive. So paying a premium for guys like Jose Ramirez, guys like Luis Robert in DFS, it's okay to do that because you're getting premium productivity most nights out of those guys. It's paying the premium for guys that are still a little up and down. That's where you really get yourself into a bad spot. But Robert so far, those stolen bases have been, he's up to five on the season already, and we are still just on the 17th of April. I mean, 30-30 yeah. looks like a real possibility for him. So let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed for a healthy season from Luis Robert because this is another young star in Major League Baseball that I think is not getting enough attention. Uh, you know what else is getting enough attention? How about Joe Musgrove? Can we talk about Joe Musgrove for the Padres? His Padre rotation, uh, I keep saying it, it's got some good names in it. Mackenzie Gore even came up. Uh, this week and made a really good start there. So very encouraging there, the depth of this rotation. But Joe Musgrove, I want to give him some love. Over his last 13 innings, uh, he got a win, two quality starts, 14 strikeouts. How about no walks in those 13 innings, Matty? No walks. That's how you win baseball games, folks. And Joe Musgrove last year, again, we're talking about seasons that kind of went unnoticed, I feel like, to a large degree. And it's just, it's not fair. And Joe Musgrove, as much as people want to talk about the struggles of you Darvish last year, or maybe missing out on what they thought Blake Snell was going to be in this rotation. Instead, there's some guy named Joe Musgrove who just kind of showed up last year and finally blossomed into the pitcher that going all the way back to his Houston Astro days before he got dealt to the pirates in the first place in the Garrett Cole deal, I believe if memory serves 
I mean, look at what this guy did last year. Look at how good of a season he had. I know he only won 11 games, but who cares? 181 innings, just 142 hits. He's really hard to square up. He struck out 203 guys, walked just 54. That is an incredible strikeout to walk ratio and incredible to have a well over 9K per 9 as well. So Joe Musgrove basically has picked up where he left off last year. He is the ace of this rotation, folks. Make no mistake about it. It's Joe Musgrove. And everybody needs to start giving him more respect. So, Maddie, what are your thoughts on Joe Musgrove's opening to the season? 13 innings here, no walks. Yeah, so let's take advantage of what this pitcher is giving us. He's showing us that he has control, and you use an interesting term, tough to square up upon, right? So that means teams mm -hmm. just really can't get something good off of him. If he's not putting anyone on bases, he's not giving up any runs. If you find the Padres playing against a team that does not score a lot of runs, Start to look at run totals. This is a way that you can attack a game in its entirety based really solely on the guy on the mound and then what happens with the guys that follow him in the bullpen. It's a great way to try to find some value on a team that has become very public, Joe. Everyone knows the Padres, but they expect them to be the, the bopping Padres, the Padres from last season where every night it was a walk-off and they were scoring nine runs and so on and so forth. They do that, and Musgrove on the mound, and he limits his opponents to, to a run or two, start to look at run totals. There's some money to be made there. I would agree. Uh, certainly with Joe Musgrove, too. Just doesn't get enough publicity. Uh, and that's another one, too. You can even throw in that dark horse NL Cy Young race, I think. I, I, I would throw his name out there, too. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're going to look up, and those stats are going to be real close, especially if the Milwaukee guys struggle. Like, Woodruff's been struggling. Peralta right. had a bad start. So all of a sudden, those guys that we loved in Milwaukee, not getting off to the best April, I'm taking a deep breath with that. But another guy's not getting off to a great April is Charlie Morton now. Charlie Morton ended up last season with the broken leg in the postseason. He is, you know, 174 years old. I get that. But I am getting a little concerned here with Charlie Morton's April. And I know I don't want to go too crazy because last year, Charlie Morton was really good. Last year, Charlie Morton struck out 216 guys, walked just 58 in 185 innings. He was magical. A 3-3-4 ERA, he was the ace of the staff, basically, in Atlanta. This year, over his first 10 innings, though, different story. 11 hits, doesn't have a win, 10 strikeouts. The ERA is at 6.12. The whip is at 1-4-5. Now, that is not usually where we're used to seeing Charlie Morton's stats lie. So that becomes a huge issue because if you are not getting good starts out of Freed, you're not getting good starts out of Charlie Morton, you're putting a lot of pressure on guys like Kyle Wright, who's pitched well who's kind of, again, picked up where he left last year, which was kind of turning the corner finally after us waiting and waiting for Kyle Wright to be a thing. But Charlie Morton, I think it's the age factor that's starting to creep in for me. And sometimes we see this with players, like, you know, coming off an injury, sometimes it takes a little longer. But it's that age factor where I'm worried, is this the drop-off? Have we finally seen now where, okay, the Charlie Morton run is over? Or is it just a guy who's trying to find his way back after an injury at an, uh, an advanced age? Let's face it. What do you what do you think that Charlie Morton lies, Matt? Well, depending on how old the ears are that are listening to my voice right now, some of us remember when Grandpa had to warm up the car. You remember that? Go out there, turn it on, come back inside, do a thing or 12, and then go back out. Charlie Morton is Grandpa's car. It's April, man. Let the guy warm up. I will say this, though. 
uh, last season, I really only found profit in Charlie Morton on K props, and I would watch them because if he continues to struggle, the K props are going to reflect that, hopefully. And if you can find some plus money or a K prop that's digestible, you can take advantage of a guy who, if Joe feels he's on a complete downturn, that's fine. If you feel he'll be just fine, you still kind of find a way to make some money off of a name you know, if you will. Grandpa's car. I love it. Grandpa's car. I like that. By the way, what was what was your dad's car? My my dad had a black Chevy Caprice Classic. If you can remember that far back of that, that was that was the first car I remember my family driving around in. Do you you remember the first uh, your dad's vehicle? What was it? Of course, of course. Are you kidding me? My father drove Corvettes. He had a black Corvette, and he used to let me press what I now know was the cigarette lighter. And when I did that, he would hit the gas like it was turbo. So that was very cool to me as well. <laughs> Wow, your dad driving Corvettes. Was, uh, that's pretty cool. I gotta say that that's interesting family vehicle. I'm very impressed there. I guess <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they were divorced, people. my friend. They, they were, were divorced. divorced. <laughs> <laughs> well, even so, even so. <laughs> right. Let's go. Uh, by the way, that reminds me, I should get a Corvette. Let's go to some guys uh, also who are not having some good weeks. Another dud. This one hurts, Maddie. I gotta tell you, this yeah. this this one pains me. It hurts me in the cockles. Julio Rodriguez has not gotten off to a good start. Julio Rodriguez over his last 21 at-bats coming into the weekend's games. It's got one hit. It's got 12 strikeouts. That's the bigger problem. He's not making contact. He's got no RBI. He's hitting 0-95. So this is a problem because this is a player that we're very excited about, has a fantastic talent, probably pressing a little too much. The trouble is there's a precedent now because in Seattle last year, Jared Kelnick struggled mightily do you think julio rodriguez can pull out of this nosedive right now or do you think he is nosediving back to triple a yeah i think he's got to show he can hit big league pitching start with making contact with fastballs and then work on the breaking stuff the kid needs time all right kid needs time be patient with julio rodriguez we'll see if it pays off later in the year we'll be back right after this SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Nobody has a name, but it's a small price to pay for being tribute to uh, one of the most important people in our American society. Forget sports. Just society. So always a beautiful day in baseball to honor him. I'd like to see more African-American presence in the game. I'd like to see more players of African-American descent in the game and in the front office and in ownership. That would be the next step too. But certainly uh, a beautiful moment there for uh, for Jackie Robinson's family and a beautiful moment there all across baseball. It always gives me a warm feeling on, uh, on 42 day. You, you still get that warm feeling all these years later when they do it? I think the important thing as we grow older is to not be lost on us, the achievements of the human spirit and and what this baseball player was able to achieve. A lot of times in baseball, we, we cover the name and we just look at numbers and just doing that. If you look at Jackie Robinson's numbers, they stand out. Now move your hand and look at the name and think about what it must have been like. Just take two seconds in your day and think about that. I think you'll appreciate everything so much more. So thank you to Jackie Robinson. Thank you to baseball. The old quote, if we all wore 42, maybe they couldn't tell us apart, right? That was the, uh, the ha ha joke aside. And now they all wear 42 
and they're all baseball players. And, and to think that we have players from, you know, not only different descents, but different countries. I mean, it has really become more of a global game. I think in the last 15, 20 years, you have players coming from Japan, from Korea, from Mexico, from everywhere. And obviously all the Latin countries as well. So um, it, it's, it's a great thing to see. Cause when we pull in the best of the world, you get the best game. And I think that's something to keep in mind, just generally speaking, when we get the best of the best, we're all better for it. And Jackie Robinson was certainly the best of us in many, many ways. So again, uh, much respect to him and his family as we celebrate another glorious Jackie Robinson day in baseball. Now we've got a whole other hour coming up of diamond bets. You thought we were done, but we are not. We're going to go around the diamond. We're going to give you some of the latest news and notes and goings on in major league baseball. Then we're going to do a little DFS. We're going to look ahead to next week, tell you where you start making your wagers and of course the tough questions at the fantasy roundtable so don't go anywhere because diamond bets in hour two are right around that corner so stick with us right here on sports grid right back right here. 